us uh, this morning, uh, those of us who are surviving the cold and flu season, uh, let us open in prayer, please. Our Lord and God, we thank Thee that we may call upon Thee and give Thee thanks for gathering us into Thy house this morning. We do thank Thee for the strength and health that Thou hast granted us. And we pray, O Lord, that we may grow in the knowledge of Christ as we understand more of His holy moral law. Lord, help us, we pray, to understand and to apply that we be doers and hearers. We pray Thee these things and for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, please open your copies of God's Word to 1 Timothy and chapter 1, please. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 8. First Timothy chapter 1. And verses 8 to 11. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Amen. Uh, so we come now to uh, question 70, or questions 70 and 71 in the Shorter Catechism, which brings us to the Seventh uh, Commandment. And we read those two question and answers uh, as, as we commence this study. So question 70 poses this question, which is the Seventh Commandment? And the answer is, the Seventh Commandment is, thou shalt not commit adultery. And then question 71 uh, continues, with what is required in the seventh commandment and the answer given is the seventh commandment requireth the preservation of our own and our neighbor's chastity in heart speech and behavior the seventh commandment requireth the preservation of our own and our neighbor's chastity in heart speech and behavior When we consider what, uh, what it is that brought about the fall of man and we can examine the swelling up of pride in Adam and Eve's uh, own uh, chest as they were given lying promises by, by the serpent, but it was ultimately unbelief in the word of God that was spoken to them and belief in the word of the serpent. And so this was the first act of unfaithfulness. They were unfaithful to their own God and Creator and Father. And this was mankind committing its first act of adultery, spiritual adultery. And what is very interesting is that the Hebrew language that has this word for committing adultery we have in the Seventh Commandment is the selfsame word that they use for committing idolatry. And that is very true. That is exactly what... 
uh, idolatry is. Faithfulness is a heart of uh, adultery and we could say therefore idolatry. But this faithfulness then in the terms of adultery in the language of the seventh commandment um, is, very, is very clear when we consider this commandment within the context of marriage, in the context of breaking, the breaking of marriage vows and therefore faithlessness. But adultery, as I've just hinted at, is much more than this. It is a wholesale faithlessness towards God. Breaking any of the commandments, we could say, is a spiritual adultery. It is a breaking of that covenant that we have with God as our creator. That God has with us, because we are, owe Him a duty of of love and obedience, and of walking with Him and walking according to His word. But we don't. We're spiritual adulterers at heart, and then we bring it back again, narrow it to the realm of of God's plan and intention uh, for sexual relations. Then we see how that is. Uh, again, that's a, a, a great breaking of faithfulness towards him and towards his desires for that sort of relationship because he couches it within the frame of a faithful and lifelong relationship. Because adultery here is not just concerning married couples. Uh, maybe I'm uh, saying things that are, are quite obvious, but it's good to go over the obvious as we, uh, for a basis before we move on. So it's not just concerning married couples and their faithfulness, or their need to be faithful and not to be faithless, but it, it concerns all, all physical and sexual uh, desire and interest and activity uh, before and outside of marriage. That's what is condemned by the seventh commandment. Anything of that sort before marriage, outside of marriage, and those sins all combine then. Things that happen before marriage or outside of marriage will give us the biblical term and a broader term of fornication. And that would be uh, a good way of understanding adultery uh, in the commandment as it's given is thou shalt not commit uh, fornication. But let us now uh, open up the words and the answers of uh, answers 71, especially of the shorter catechism and consider together the purity of human relationships, the purity of human relationships. And so if we go back to the wording of question 71, as the Shorter Catechism opens up the Seventh Commandment, it, we see that word, the Seventh Commandment requireth the preservation of our own neighbors, of our own and our neighbors' chastity in heart, speech, and behavior. So what is this chastity? Well, chastity and the word being chaste, with ST at the end, being chaste is, is we get from a, a Latin word that means purity. It points to a moral purity, um, and specifically a sexual purity. Um, if, a, if a person was chaste, uh, they were pure. It may even point to uh, a virginal state, but even within the marriage, uh, they would remain pure. So it's the idea of someone who is, who is ignorant in a positive way, they're, they're unknowing, they're inexperienced, 
the ignorance of impure thought and impure words and behavior to draw out the words of the of the catechism answer itself in, indeed it's, it, it, it would point to how we would consider children in, in, in that as regarding sexuality such thoughts and desires and interests are way beyond them it doesn't belong to the natural uh, way of children because they're innocent of such desires it's not something that their head is even concerned about and shouldn't be uh, and so we because they are pure and virginal in that sense uh, of of sexuality now when i consider purity we can bring in virgin virginity as well purity and virginity they go hand in hand and they are to be maintained until that time comes um, when marriage is has been made and it is to be handed over pure and intact uh, to the spouse on that wedding night intact and pure and then it changes somewhat and then it, it is it is no longer a virginal purity but it is a purity nonetheless for we are to keep the marriage bed pure and that is to be maintained from that moment onwards so the chastity changes uh, but it's it still remains as a pure chastity and that is the plan of God as we see in the scriptures and so what is the attitude of chastity then so we've described something of what it is it is a purity but the attitude of chastity is to have an abhorrence is to is to flee from all impurity all uncleanliness all immorality as pertaining well to everything of course but in in the realm of uh, um, sexual relations and, and the question is, well, why should we refrain from such impurity? Well, we must do so to keep ourselves pure, to keep our hearts right before God. And, and especially in, in, in the context is that the, the Lord sees all things. He sees, the, he sees all impurity. He sows all sins. But what is gross about the breaking of the seventh commandment is that you defile your own body and you defile someone else's body. Uh, and, and that's what makes it uh, grosser in, in those ways. Proverbs 5 and verse 20 to 21 actually links these two together, uh, speaking of, of fornication, and, uh, and the answer to a clear answer is because God sees all things. God knows all things. Fornication can happen in, in, in the secrecy of wherever, but the Lord sees it all. So Proverbs 5, 20 and 21 say, And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings and so as we consider then just the, that word what is chastity as it comes up in the catechism question and answer uh, secondly who is to be chaste who is to be chaste and pure in this way uh, well everybody Everybody, because initially it's saying that, that, that we are to preserve our own and our neighbor's chastity. Uh, so that's everybody uh, in the world, really. It is a moral standard for all of mankind. There are no exceptions. We can't say, oh, well, the, 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 the benighted uh, heathen mind, uh, well, they have an, uh, they have an exception. Uh, they have a, a ruling that is beyond, because we know that's not the case, because we know that the Lord's 
um, building in of the human conscience also makes that very clear to all that faithlessness in these relationships is not good it is sinful and we see that uh, throughout societies and civilizations so it's a moral standard for all of mankind and it is not to change it's not to change in time it's not to change according to culture well, of course we, we see those gross changes that are taking place and uh, and on a, a large scale since the 1960s is very clear and it's continuing even more steeply downhill at the moment but everybody is to be sexually pure and everybody is to have uh, sexually pure thoughts speech behavior towards other people and we should be very careful to preserve our, our chastity as Christians because we are to endeavor to have our bodies and have our minds and have our souls uh, pure before God because they are to be the temples of the Holy Ghost they are temples of the Holy Ghost and therefore they are to be free from those pollutions which are offensive and provoking to a holy God that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 he says what no you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. So having received uh, the spirit of adoption, having been regenerated by the spirit, we are now the possession of Christ, and so it's not for us to do what we want with that possession that belongs to the Lord, and he having poured out his spirit in us. And that, that uh, quote from 1 Corinthians 6 is within the context, uh, strictly within the context of of unclean sexual uh, behavior so it is as a temple of the Holy Ghost the body the mind the soul is to be a suitably holy dwelling place uh, for him and although it is very true that we are conceived in sin and iniquity and yet we are born with chastity we are born uh, with a, a, a pureness of a, a purity in that regard a purity because of a lack of experience a lack of understanding and at that age a lack of desire that the, the body is not uh, formed for that yet the the, the emotions and, and the hormones are, are not ready for any of that yet and so even when we regard that the the, the, the the uncleanness of of humanity in general we see even when they're born that there is a, a, a measure of of purity and that would that would say to us then that were the left the politically left's obsession with children and their sexuality is grossly immoral and disturbing it, it's gross wickedness it is not for sexually confused and befouled adults to be let anywhere near children and never mind with the intention that they have to sully their hearts and minds with words and images and ideas and all of which seems to be a very sick effort to remove the little purity that humans have even at that young age but they are they're out to groom they're out to destroy and I would suggest to you then that that is the fullest extent of the sin of Sodom and when sodomy is given such a freedom and such an authority in society and given such encouragement we see that its extremes 
uh, of immorality tend not only to the towards the corruption of adults, which has always been its main uh, public motivation, uh, but also we see nowadays of teenagers and of children. And their actions are impure because their motives are impure. That's exactly what Job said. And Job said in Job 14 and verse 4, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? And the answer is not one. Not one. So what is chastity? Uh, we've seen who is to be chaste? Well, that is everybody. And now we move into the, the meat of the catechism answer is how we are to be chaste, how we are to be pure, um, um, sexually pure, specifically according to the seventh commandment, which we're examining this morning. How we are to be chaste, how we are to be, how we are to be pure uh, in, in these regards, in, in, in sexual relationship. Well, the Shorter Catechism begins with the word heart. It says, the seventh commandment requireth the preservation, the keeping, of our own and our neighbor's chastity. And then have, we have three, uh, three levels, as it were. We have heart, we have speech, we have behavior. Uh, the catechism uses this, this sort of language a number of times, um, speaking of in, 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 in word and, and, and deed. And, um, and behavior is used in other places as well. Uh, just trying to say that it's not just on the outside, it's not just public appearances, uh, but it's all aspects of, you know, the very core of our being, our very thoughts and our desires that moving out into, in, into some light behavior, which would be speech, and then actual full-blown deeds is behavior. And, and so that's where they're looking at, that's how they're approaching uh, this answer. So we are to preserve our own chastity in the heart. Well, the question is, how do we do that? How is that able to be done? Well, by resisting the emotions of lust that are found in the soul, is working against them, is to have that self-control over them as they come up, and they will come up. They will come up because the, uh, even a, 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 um, also especially a born-again person who has now, has a born-again nature, and yet that born-again spirit, that soul is within a, still a corrupt and sinful nature that is the flesh. And so we have that battle. But other people have another, a similar sort of battle, although they be not born again, and that is a battle between their conscience, between their conscience and their desire. And so for those who are, who are born again especially should understand uh, that battle, but all people are, are to resist that which is immoral, that which is wrong, and not give in, and not do, as Disney would say, would follow your heart and follow your desires. For the desires of man are not pure, especially not when they um, lead to sin. So we are to keep the heart, to preserve the heart, and that's what Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So we are to keep our heart. This goes, for, of course, for all sins. When something comes up in us that is wicked, whether a lie comes up, whether there's gossip that comes up, whether there's hatred that comes up, whether there's a desire to steal that comes up, whatever sin that is that comes up within us, it is to be, it is to be, it is to be mastered. Oh, that was what the Lord said to, to Cain there in uh, chapter 4 of Genesis. 
the, the sin lieth at the door, and, and, and that Cain was to be its master. It was to control it and not be controlled by it. And that's where they're coming from. So the word heart here, of course, is not just talking about, it's not merely talking about a, a, a bodily organ that pumps blood around. It's talking about our very core. So we can consider the will. We can consider the conscience. We can consider the emotions, uh, the desires, all of those. The, the inner man, we could say. We are to keep the inner man with all diligence because from out of it come the issues of life. So that the, 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 we, we can include the mind here, the thoughts. And, and that is, if you can remember, we've looked at this before, but the, the Hebrew word for heart, uh, lab, uh, is a word that includes the mind. So it is the conscious side, not just the unconscious thoughts and desires that well up. So the inner man in his entirety or hair entireties. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, the things that come forth. So good things and bad things come out of the heart. So if there is self-control within the heart so that only good things come out and that the bad is, is contained, that is good. That is good. So firstly, there is the resisting of the very emotions, in this case, the seventh commandment, lustful emotions, that they are to be uh, guarded against, that they are to be resisted in the soul, that which is corrupt. Secondly, uh, by repelling all lustful imaginations. And you say, well, is there, is there a similarity here? There is. But I'm taking the words of the Lord Jesus Christ from Matthew 5 and 28, where he opens up the seventh commandment. Matthew 5 and 28, having just mentioned the, the seventh commandment, the Lord goes on to say, But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So now we're talking about not just the inner, but how the inner is fed from the outer. How, how then that the heart, uh, the lusts, the, uh, the ideas, the imaginations are fed by, by wrongful actions, um, not having control over these things. We'll look at that very shortly in a little bit more detail. But thirdly, also then, uh, considering how we are to maintain uh, our chastity, our pure, purity before God, is by only attempting those two things that we've just mentioned, by the restraint uh, of emotions that well up, by repelling lustful imaginations that can be fed in from the outside, is by attempting uh, to maintain these things only in and through prayer, is looking to the Lord to give us that that gracious strength from above whereby we would be able to turn our hearts and our eyes away from beholding vanity. And that's that petition from Psalm 119, verse 37. It says, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in thy way. And so we need to do that. We need to rely upon that. We know that there are... Uh, religions around the world that, that may have various degrees of strictness uh, as it comes to sexual purity. We, we can think, go back to the New Testament Pharisees, but we can consider even the, the modern ultra-Orthodox or the Hasidim uh, amongst the Jews or uh, uh, Muslims and the like, and, and, and they will attempt these things out of their own strength and maybe get so far, at least on the outside. But the Lord wants that purity of heart 
And that, and that deep purity of heart will only be found uh, with the help of the Lord himself. And so we, we look to the Lord to help us. We're not looking to be Pharisees. We're not looking to be uh, pride-filled uh, religionists. We're, we're looking that the Lord would truly help us to keep our heart clean. And where we have fallen into sin is we seek that forgiveness and that cleansing also only from the Lord. That we, that we may have, a, as it were, a resetting of that chastity and that pureness. Can that ever be fully experienced, having fallen into sin? Maybe not. Maybe the, maybe the memories are there and the, 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 the emotional damage and whatever uh, experience has taken place will always leave a scar, as it were, but it is better that the wound is dealt with, uh, that it's cleaned, and that the Lord heals it than that it remains open and becomes a festering spiritual and moral wound. And so we must come to the Lord for all of this. All, we must come to the Lord. And, and so then we've just been considering the maintenance of the keeping of our own chastity, but the, the commandment is clear, and, and as the Shorter Catechism opens it up, it's also regarding our neighbor's his chastity. We are, to, we are to preserve him, preserve that purity by our activity and our attitude towards them, that it is to be an attitude of love towards them by an attitude of love towards them that we would not only keep our own chastity but we would keep their chastity. And this is a very different idea of love than we hear in the world. The world would say that such love, that if you love someone then you should just do whatever you want with that person um, because that's an expression of your love, whether it's within marriage, outside of marriage, whether it's um, according to God's morality or not. That's what the world would say. And they would say that that is an expression of love. But truly it isn't. Because if you did truly love that person, you, you wouldn't want to confuse them. You wouldn't want to abuse them. You wouldn't want to make use of them. And especially when it is outside God's plan uh, for a lifelong covenant marriage between one adult male and one adult female. But that's not the love of the world, of course. The love of the world is primarily what can I get out of it. And 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 22 does speak of this. He says, seeing you have, I mean, as in true love, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned, that is, unfalsified love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently that's something we can't even consider doing out of our own strength it's impossible for us to do that but seeking the, the help and the strength of the Lord uh, to uh, have that pure and unfeigned and fervent love towards the brethren within the Christian uh, congregation but it's something that is to go forth into the world to have that true and fervent love. But it is God's expectation for all that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's something then of the, the heart, the inner uh, working of man. But secondly, the Shorter Catechism goes on to consider speech. 
And that speech, you could almost say, is sort of like a halfway house between the inner man and then the outer man, the outer behavior, that is sort of like on the boundary between the two. So we are to preserve our own chastity and our, our neighbor's chastity, even in our speech, uh, by doing exactly what the Apostle Paul teaches in Ephesians uh, 4 and verse 29. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. No corrupt communication. So the, 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 words, the words of lewd, lewd comments about others, uh, unclean jokes uh, regarding sexual activity are, are, are two things that are very, very clear applications and understanding of corrupt communication in the context of the seventh commandment. But I, I would suggest that it certainly also includes flirting. And the flirting in, in, in making uh, 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 promises or suggestions or invitations um, to those, to a person who is not your lifelong married spouse. Within the realms of marriage, of course, then, then, uh, then being playful about, about, uh, about uh, all sorts of um, desires and activities is between the man and the woman, the husband and wife, I should say, but anything outside of that is tending towards adulterous behavior. It is an invitation, therefore, of, of fornication in some way, and, and therefore the, the mouth is used often to, to invite to sin, to encourage to sin. Uh, the idea of, oh, it, this is not wrong, this is what I desire, this is what you desire, let's do what we desire. Again, that's the mouth that's being used uh, as, a, a, as a, a, a tool for encouragement to sin, and that's really at the heart of what we're understanding here by speech, what the speech says and what the speech promises to another person. And that should be absolutely controlled. We should refrain from that. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Either asking for that which is forbidden or encouraging someone else to do that which is forbidden. And forbidden for good reason. It is contrary to God's holy and good and moral standards as we read in verse 8 of First Timothy and chapter 1. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. And thirdly, then we come to behavior. So heart, speech, and then behavior is the third that the uh, Shorter Catechism answer gives us. So we are also, therefore, to preserve our own chastity, our own sexual purity, and that of our neighbors in, in our behavior in the way we behave ourselves. And we can think very, sim very quickly when we consider the eyes, the eyes being the, uh, the window to the soul, as it were, and it's the eyes, remember we were considering that that, that brings information in for, for impure thoughts, and that is also to be controlled as an entry to the heart. And so therefore we can consider our, our conduct, the way we carry ourselves, the way, the way we would walk, the way we would clothe ourselves. And of course the world is at the moment just become so degenerate uh, and, and so, well, let's just keep it at the word degenerate, that this is almost the lifestyle of many people 
that they would dress themselves, they would behave themselves in public, they would move their body in a way in public exactly to incite people to adulterous and fornicatory behavior. Uh, but, but we are not to be so. We are to, as to use the language of Paul, we are to possess our vessel. We are to have uh, control over uh, our body, which is what that vessel means, the vessel of the soul. We're, we're to control it. We are to keep it covered. We are to keep it chaste. Uh, we are to do all these things for the outside world. For those things are private between the husband and wife and for nobody else. And so there is that we are to possess our vessel. And what does Paul say in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 4? That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Having an understanding, therefore, of how it is to, to be modest. Modest in behavior, modest in, in, in dress is, is very important. And even when we have practical issues, we should know how to possess our vessel, to keep the vessel pure, is to understand from, well, we open up the book of Proverbs would be a place to look at to understand these things, but elsewhere in the scriptures also. Uh, upright Job gives us a great example, especially to the men, in how we are to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. And, and, put, and um, Job wrote, said, in Job 31 and verse 1, he says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? So Job had determined um, to control his, where his eyes looked, that he would not just glance upon a pretty young lady uh, and not even to appreciate their beauty because Job had an understanding of his own sinfulness and his own weakness that to, to do that and to maintain that gaze and allow thoughts to come up in the head in conjunction with that gaze was not good. It wasn't good for him. It wasn't good for his walk with the Lord. So he would not even allow his eyes to look at other women. I mean, it's very difficult when you're speaking to a, a, um, a lady, young or old, not to look at them. I mean, look at them in the face. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's really considering the... the the glance at the body, the looking at um, the form, anything that would excite a lustful thought. And so he would then, he had made a covenant with his eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? You see the, the two, you see, the looking at it in a, in a wrong way, in an inappropriate way, in, a, in an unchaste way, would lead to thoughts. And that's what Job is is determined not to do, not to have, that he would be faithful to his own wife, uh, that he would be faithful to his God. That's a great, a great example to all, uh, all men, especially Christian men, of course. And so those three things we've considered about maintaining, preserving our own purity and the purity of others in heart, speech, and behavior really all point, and it's been touched upon a number of times, is to God's way of dealing with sexual desire, and that is marriage. Marriage between an adult male and an adult female is the ordinary means that we're given to keep our chastity. And it's been given by divine appointment, of course. It was granted to mankind in, in the state of innocence in, in the Garden of Eden. 
at their very creation that Eve was given to, to Adam as wife and he to her as a husband in the very beginning. Uh, and that is still the Lord's plan uh, for humanity so that uh, chastity would be preserved, preserved but also, of course, uh, that there would be families and children and the like, but we're not going to that full extent now. And that's what Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 2, and he says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. This is the desire of God himself, that every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. And that's besides the, the exceptions. Of course, there are exceptions to that main rule where the Lord uh, gives to, to, as, a, as, a, as a rare gift that some would not get married at all. Uh, the Apostle Paul appears to have been an example of that. But th they are the exception. Uh, but the rule is, is to be married. And so then, just to make that clear then, all sexual desire, all sexual language, all sexual behavior is only to be found and only permitted uh, within the marriage between husband and wife, and not before. We're not to steal that which does not belong to us beforehand. And once we're in that marriage, it's not for anybody else. It's only for husband and wife, because it is the only safe place. It's the only moral place, it's the only God-given and God-blessed place for such activity, for such desires, for such words, and for such behavior. Anything and everything outside of this is immoral and is a breaking of the seventh commandment. It's against God's plan and intention for such relationships and is therefore clearly forbidden in the seventh commandment and we'll leave that examination there we'll look in next time god willing question 72 that looks at what is forbidden in the seventh commandment some of which we may have touched upon already are there any questions at all before we close our adult bible class and commence our morning worship at 11 and then we'll leave that there a uh, sensitive topic but may the Lord bless it to us let us pray our Lord and our God we give thee thanks uh, for thy word we thank thee that the law is good if a man use it lawfully and we thank thee Lord uh, for these wonderful standards how holy and righteous and pure is thy word and is thy law Lord that the word teaches and command us to do that which is loving toward thee with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to be loving toward our neighbor. In all these matters of the Ten Commandments and all their applications in life. And so, Lord, we come before thee and we pray for that help that we need to understand and to apply. And, Lord, as we understood that where there has been uh, a befouling of the heart, of the speech, and of the behavior, the, the truth and the wonderful truth of the gospel is that we may come repenting of such behavior and seeking that cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do thank Thee uh, for the blood that never loses its power to cleanse us from all 
uncleanness. And so, Lord, bless thy word to us and give that help and blessing as we come very shortly to uh, the main service this morning and to the Lord's table towards the end of the service. Uh, we pray thee for help and blessing in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs>